You're listening to The Next Course, a podcast for foodies where you hear from cooks, chefs, and restaurant owners. On the show, we delve into all aspects of food culture, discussing recipes, cooking techniques, nutrition, food trends, and more. So, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Harry Hills, and I hope you're ready for The Next Course. My next guest is a co-founder of Sustainable Earth Network. Uh, He's an expert in plant-based eating. You may have seen him on MasterChef. He has the best smile of the last two seasons. Welcome to the show, Simon. How are you going? Woohoo! It's a pity he's not a video. I can't smile for you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the intro. That was great. They're just going to have to go onto your Instagram to have a look at it. Oh, there we go. So, Simon, what's going on? You're over there. You're stuck in lockdown now. Um, What are you up to? 100% 100% stuck in lockdown, living the dream, you know. Um, but <laughs> at the moment, it's just, I guess it's right now, it's forcing me to do the things I hate. And that's like admin work and that's proposal writing and pitch writing. So Sustainable Earth Network now, we need to start setting up for season two. So we've done season one, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. And that's on YouTube, which is really, really cool. Uh, and then we go to season two and we're looking at doing like, big things big big things we've got a huge uh huge barbecue that we want to i won't give it too much away a huge barbecue that's going to be bringing in a lot of people that we know um uh together to do a big plant-based smokehouse um we're going to be visiting um and that's going to be you know focusing on local producers all around the, the region where we're staying uh and we're also focusing on businesses that are really changing the way we look at food and the environment and the future of food uh, and that is going to be things like seaweed production, uh, which obviously helps with oxygen in the you know drawing down sort of um, uh, greenhouse gases, putting more oxygen into the, into the water, lowering acidity levels, bringing marine life back. Rah rah. Also, if you want like eating seaweed, is super good for you. Heaps of nutri- nutrients. Uh, and on top of that, there is um, you know studies done with seaweed being fed to cattle lowers the methane in their stomachs. Uh, and will, you know, obviously therefore lower the CO2 going into the atmosphere, which is really cool. So that's one of the ones we're looking at. Another one we're looking at is mm. hemp, which is obviously another ma- majorly brilliant one that no one knows about. Not the marijuana side, the obviously the <laughs> same genus, different crop, um, but it draws a lot of dirties from the environment, puts it, and it's a huge nitrogen giver to the soil, which is obviously something that we really need because um, uh, once we set up sort of monocrop, uh, we lose a lot of that beautiful nutrients in the soil and the hemp is a, is a really good uh, changer of that. And so um, that's a great one. And not only that, hemp is a really good building and, gro- and uh, a building material. So you can make bricks out of hemp um, stalk. Uh, so not only are the seeds uh, used for oil and for flour and for just like eating seeds, huge protein numbers, great fatty acids, all this sort of stuff, stuff. The stalk, the stem is used for building and it's really sturdy. So... Um, that's a really cool one. Uh, yeah. And And if people want to be involved in, in all this sort of stuff in like the vegetarian barbecues and that sort of thing, can they, can they get involved in that with you as well? Is that something that's like sort of set up for the future for audiences or is that just something that you're going to be doing in private? Yeah. So this will be the final five episodes and it's going to be held, uh, in between Melbourne and Adelaide. Um, and it's going to be, it's only going to, it's only going to be for people that, um, that we know, uh, but in saying that, we're gonna we're gonna do another lot of it for the public down the line. So it's gonna be open for down the line, but not for this uh, not the five episode in the season two. So, awesome. Yeah. But I will let we'll them know. S- 
And also, also on top of that, if anyone thinks of anyone or knows anyone as well that is just doing brilliant things in the way of um, food uh, and and farming and production that they think would really help um, uh, and need a good shout out, let me know because we want to we want to explore as many avenues of this as we possibly can, from backyard garden to vertical garden to um, you know all these sorts of seaweeds and farming from the from from the water in the in the right way, not with fish. Uh, then, mm. then let us know um, in the comments, or, or send Harry a little message, and, and he'll pass us on the details. Yeah, well, Simon, let's take a break from your admin stuff, and let's get into some some just creative thinking, basically. Because mm-hmm. um, I've been talking to a lot of people lately that are pretty much interested in two things, and I thought you were actually the perfect person to talk to about this. One is snacks. There's a lot of people that are trying to be healthier, you know, like they've, they've put on a bit of weight over COVID. They're trying to live healthier and yep. they want to know what snacks you can actually have while being healthy. And, you know, you being an expert in plant-based stuff, yep. I figured that's something that you could really get into. And the other one is soups. Like it's winter. Everyone's keen on a good soup. And yep. I figure you might be the man with the goods. Yeah. A hundred percent on both those. And I've got a couple of answers. One of them people aren't going to like as much and then we'll can flip on its head and make it so they like it. And then the soup one, <laughs> discuss that in a second. So the first one with the snacks. When we were in a must chef in season 11 and we had this basically like a, a dungeon of snacks. Like there was two shelves with whatever you want in your mind. You, your favorite thing in the world is in these crates of snacks, right? And everyone just starts putting on weight. And it's not because of the good food we're eating. It's because of all the snacking we're doing because it's stress eating. And that's the thing. And it's boredom eating in some ways because you can't always study. You know, you can't study all the time and cook all the time. So I went on a, I, I made a bet with Steph, uh, who was obviously in season 11, and with the, the, basically our nanny who looks after us to make sure we're not burning the place down uh, and, you know, stealing or whatever it is, or drinking or whatever. Um, that the first person to touch a snack had to buy all expenses, no holes barred. Um, breakfast and I'm talking like champagne mimosas like I'm talking uh, bacon and eggs with hollandaise with hash brown with you know maybe a lobster on top maybe with some oysters with some champagne in there you know whatever you can think of that is what what the deal was and so that is ridiculous yeah 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 and so we forced ourselves oh and the rules were you cannot snack on anything that has more than one ingredient Mm -hmm. okay that was that was the that was the deal so if you wanted a snack there was only one exception. That's cheese. Fine. Um, but there's only really so much cheese you can have. And that was the yeah. only exception. Uh, and we ended up ha- um, finding the world of fruit being the best thing ever because your cravings for sugar, um, you know, you get the headaches from the withdrawals from all the fucking all the uh, chemicals and mass production sugar and refined sugars that go into snacks. You get this sort of withdrawals and headaches. But then you find yourself eating a peach. And when you eat that peach, you go, holy Lord, this is the greatest thing I have ever eaten. It is sugar inside a skin. You know, it's like, it's, it's juicy sugar. What more would you want with the flavor of peach? And if you think about, <laughs> if you got like, like, if you think about the same with mango, how cool is a good mango? Or if you're a fan of pears and you get those really, like if you like a softer pear over, I love a really soft pear, the, the, like the, the juice, the liquid, that to me is the best snack, right? So there's the boring answer. 
that's the one well, where I, I mean, I, mean, I that, love that's that. Still, that's still like a pretty good hot take. People have sort of fallen out of love with fruit and yeah, it could be time for them to fall back in love with them. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, look at the seasons. Fruit will taste shit if you're in the wrong season. So don't go buying strawberries and raspberries from Coles because, hey, look, they're for sale for two for fiver. No, bugger off. Go to your local market, right, and find out what's really in season. At the moment, like mandarins. Mandarins are the best. Chuck a bunch of imperial mandarins because I love them because they usually have no seeds and they're really easy to peel and they're usually really sweet. Chuck a bunch in the fridge and you get cold mandarins and they're just awesome. So that's, that's my suggestion for snacks of the better front. I love that. Now, the other side of the snacking world, which is, which is, the, which is I guess, the, the gluttony side, is there's a great quote that I heard from um, Michael Pollan, and he got it from someone else, of course, but, uh, and this is, this is a fun one. He says, you know what? Snack away. Eat whatever you want. If you want to have hamburger for breakfast, then follow it with chocolate cake, and then follow it with some pancakes and some maple syrup, then have your you know, hamburger, chocolate cake, and pancakes. Go for it. Nail it. Have it all. But you have to make it yourself. You have to make it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, once you start making that chocolate brownie or that cookie or that chips, that's great. You will make those, but you're not going to be making the freaking pancakes and the hamburger straight after. You're just going to be having the cookie. And that's enough. And that's all you really need. And if you make it yourself, then it's gratifying and you deserve to have it. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you, you know, a lot of the time you won't end up having the whole box. You'll end up savoring the brilliance that you've just done and having a couple and then knowing that you can have a couple more tomorrow and the day after and they won't be going anywhere. So that's my yeah. If You're, you're talking snack, some serious like behavior therapy here. I can write that. <laughs> right, I've been there. I have been there. I put the weight on and, I, and I'm still trying to take it off. <laughs> yeah that's a, that's some like actual like stuff to work through because i've sort of done a similar thing where we don't have unhealthy food in the house but the problem was i got really good at making brownies and then we can make we can make them in like five minutes now and <laughs> yes. it's a little bit of a problem yeah that's that's the other one but then you're learning to cook and i think that in some ways is that you're learning a new skill and so once you're done with brownies move on to something else I mean, you're freaking, you got ice cream. I mean, that's, that's the <laughs> snacks for well, me. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing for me. I have to be very careful, um, like, not to sort of overeat, overindulge when I'm at work. Because it's so good. Mm. So, I guess, like, we've got fruit on the table, and then we've yeah. got this sort of, like, actual behavioral control. If yeah. people are then building that vocabulary in terms of, like, cooking skills and, like, new equipment or, or new sort of, like, better skills... Um, what should they be moving on to then? Do you have other snacks that are like in your repertoire that you normally have? Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a brownies cookie, uh, brownies cookie kind of person. So that's kind of where my realm sits and I can make them in no time at all. Uh, but, it's always, <laughs> but then you've got to have all the ingredients and that's the other thing. You know, you have to go down and get the ingredients. And so sometimes that's like, oh, stuff it. I'll just stick to a cucumber or an apple or, a, you know, or a pear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but my partner is obsessed with chippies, like with packets, packet chips, right? Uh, and we're doing no plastic July or plastic free July. And, you know, chips are in plastic. They just are, right? So mm-hmm. we made them ourselves. And that was sick because they last a long time. You just get one of those, um, those little um, sachets you can find in like uh, your sushi paper. 
um, they they keep them from going wet. Like it's like a humidif like dehumidifier, but in packet form. Yeah, you sort yeah. of just like re reuse it from some of yeah. your other foods. Yeah, totally. So if you buy shiitake, anything dried, really, that's like that you know doesn't they shouldn't take any moisture. It's really easy to take moisture. Just get one of those. And then we made we just got two potatoes, and we made you know when you buy a pack of chips and you open it up and it's literally only a quarter full. Mm -hmm. Well, we that, are, that, dis that disappointment so level. So much disappointment. So much disappointment. We're going to do a little bit of a brand plug here. Our favorite chips are these chips called Boulder Canyon, and they're they're mm -hmm. really really awesome. They're the best. But you open the packet up, and there's they're only quarter full. Like there's just it's like they've jangled themselves <laughs> to a smaller size, you know, <laughs> and uh, or Tetris themselves to a smaller size. Anyway, so we decided to make our own, and we had we had like you know pepper, salt and pepper seasoning, and we had. Um, Old Bay from you know New Orleans Old Bay you know Old Bay spice oh, Old Bay Old Bay is for everything right Old Bay should be in everyone's kitchens right if you haven't got Old Bay get feckin' Old Bay it is awesome uh, and so we just made our own and the and the journey was great like it was really enjoyable and then we filled the packet to the top we had these paper bags and we stacked them to the top and they were full of flavor and we chucked in one of those little dehydrated sachets or dehumidifier sachets sachets and they lasted and they were great and so. I don't know. Chippies are my favorite. So we just make them. And so potato, <laughs> buy three potatoes. It's going to cost you 40 cents. Uh, blanch them when you chop them really thinly and then deep fry them. And then chuck them in the oven to dehydrate at 60 degrees for if you really want them extra crisp, chuck them in the oven for 60 to 80 degrees for like an hour or two just to even more dehydrate and you'll find that crunch is epic. Mm -hmm. So a couple of steps to this process again. Blanching for people who don't know what it is. It's the quick sort of water bath in boiling water. No, do it. Do it in cold water. Sorry, just, in cold water. Just, yeah, just got. So what you want to do is when you cut these ones. Sorry, blanching. You're right. Blanching is in hot water. But in this sense, I'm talking. Uh, what you need to do is wash them in cold water to remove the excess starch because that's what's going to stop them from. They'll go dark too quickly because that starch mm -hmm. you know, is obviously going to get a lot of heat contact and that's going to what's going to caramelize it. So you want to wash that excess starch off. And then you'll find when you pat them dry um, and you deep fry them, they'll crisp up even better and cook evenly. Mm, so that's that's the key to making good chips is this tiny yeah. little step that's actually like sort of like working on that starch. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's how you get a crispy chip. And I'm not talking like hot fries from the friggin' uh, fish and chip shop. I'm talking packet crisps, the real fun deal. And then, you know, mm -hmm. you can make that chip buddy, you know, two pieces of white bread, you know, <laughs> chips in the middle. You know, some filthy, some filthy sort of uh, HP sauce, and that's the uh, the UK standard meal of a daily, a daily, um, daily snack. I love, I love how we started, where it's like meant to be these healthy <laughs> snacks, and you are smashing me with like chip buddies with HP sauce. Oh my god. Oh, what no, are you doing to me? No, I'm sorry. I'm into fucking helping you out, but I'm really not. <laughs> no, this is cool. This is cool. Good, good. We're like we're working into like the opposite. We're gonna be like bad influences on people. Yeah. yeah, we we sound all good and like real, really like well well to do in the way of food and how healthy. We <laughs> and then we're really talking about like a deep dark love for yeah. like. Well, you went to from zero to a hundred because you're like all right fruit. Nice and healthy, like yeah. sustainable. Uh, it's in season, great. Yeah. And then straight after that, <laughs> it's up to brownies, uh, your own chip sandwiches, stuff like that. <laughs> but it's all being made yourself, so that you know, mm -hmm. like it has to be a level of. Ha well, I know that's a. I was just trying to justify the fact that I went that far. <laughs> 
Well, I reckon I reckon you can still go with the chips, and why not just put some sort of like dip with it to sort of like even yeah. even things out a little bit. I mean, you can make dips like so easily from like just a few ingredients. Yep, grab grab yourself a tin of chickpeas. You know, pour out the liquid, rinse them a bit, chuck them in a blender. Um, usually, one of the stand stand mixers. You know, those proper ones that whiz down thing, not the magic bullets, because they don't. When you when you have to do it, the magic bullets you have to fill up, then put the lid on, then put it on. And so what you're doing is creating way too fast speed, which creates an air pocket, and you're never going to get a smooth... You're going to constantly have to take it off, add water or oil, then put it back on and turn it back on again. So what you need to do is get something you can feed from the top. So when you pour your oil in, it will constantly grab it. It won't create a, an air pocket, which will stop it from gritting it nice and smooth. But a tin of chickpeas, you know, half to a whole lemon squeezed in, good pinch of salt, um, good teaspoon, uh, teaspoon to tablespoon of tahini, and a lot of olive oil and a, and a bit of water because you want that sort of like, you can use the tin liquid as well if you want and then blitz that to a smooth and then you got a hummus straight away. A bit of smoke and pre at the end, more olive oil, happy days. Easy, easy. I mean, like, I've been loving the avocado lately as well. Um, yeah. I sort of just had like a new recipe that was more like instead of being like a Mexican style guacamole, it was sort of like Asian style and had sort of like a fermented soy sauce in it and like a bit of chili as well. Um, and I haven't tried it yet, but it's something I'm very keen on and something like I've, even before I've had it, I'm recommending it to other people. <laughs> sick. And you know, when things sound good, you know, they're just going to be good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how can you go wrong? You've got salt and then you've got like that little bit of like maybe sour from the fermentation and then you've got chili as well to just sort of like make it that vicious cycle Hell, of like yeah. chili and chili and refreshing <laughs> from the avocado. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a great one. Um, well, let's let's move on then. Let's let's talk soups because it's winter time and people actually do have a bit of time on their hands. If in they're in some states in Australia, uh, they've got a little bit of time to make these mm. soups, put a bit of extra love in. So, mm. what are you having at the moment in terms of soups? What do you recommend? I smashed out and everything is really quite cool. So it's just kind of like, what have you got in the leftovers in the fridge that are nearly done? Um, you know, like that that butt of a fennel, uh, a little bit of celery that's sort of starting to go down, um, you know, maybe a can of beans that have been sitting in the cupboard for way too long. So, <laughs> uh, what else did I put in there? What else? Oh, I had some uh, cavalanero, so something like that, you know, that really hard kale. Uh, I had some spinach, mushrooms. And basically I, what I did is I started off risotto style, so cut everything and carrots. Cut it every, cut like my milkwas, my carrots, my onions, my garlic. Uh, and I think that was it that's all I, and the fennel and I cut that into sort of like manageable chunks and I mean manageable like maybe a centimeter by a centimeter like don't care kind of chunks you know what I mean like eh, I'm just going to cut them ish so then mm. I put them in a pot and sweated them down to get the sweetness out of them stock in or not yet not yet leave the stock out but then pearl barley and a good cup of pearl barley which is amazing yeah. so pearl barley is robust it is you know nutritious nutritional if you care about that it, it lasts really well in liquid. Unlike rice, like you'll end up getting congee, which by the way is delicious. Like congee is one of the greatest <laughs> I have ever eaten in my life. And I reckon I could sustain living off that. That shit is good. But pearl um, <laughs> barley lasts, right? Like it doesn't break down so much. Uh, and then put the pearl barley in just like you would risotto, stir it around just to get a bit of heat to it and sort of get the cooking process. Go, hello, mate, the heat's there. Yep, um, I'm cooking away. And then add your stock. And then add all your other things, maybe like a couple of tablespoons of tomato paste if you want to, add some chili in there if you want to, 
uh, add your cavalanero and all your leafy greens, like your hearty leafy greens, because actually when you cook those for a long time, they soak up so much of that flavor. They end up being really juicy. So I love that. Uh, put the lid on, cook it for half an hour, fuck off. You know, put on low, bring it to the boil, put it on low, put the lid on and bugger off for half an hour. Come back, check it. And, the, the you know, the pearl barley would have grown heaps. If it's too dry, add some more stock to make it more soupy, you know. And that's just my simple go-to number. But the other one that I love as well is dal. And dal from the South, um, South Indian dal is more like a soup. It's really, really simple. It's an onion uh, and onion, garlic, um, what else is it? Onion and garlic to start with, some cumin seeds, some maybe some coriander powder, uh, some turmeric, nice big teaspoon of turmeric. A little bit too much sometimes is never a bad thing. It can go bitter, but just you know, be wary. Uh, and then um, orange lentils, like that really, really orangey lentils, and a lot of water. Mm. And then salt. And, and does it does it really salt. like? Does it have that good like sort of like almost fluorescent yellow color because yeah. of that or? Yeah, uh, I love that. Like when you've actually got one of those soups that's like picturesque. Yes, and that's it. And the thing is, it's really, it's really, it's meant to be soupy. So a good way is to sort of like if you have a pressure cooker, pressure cook the lentils for like ten minutes, um, so they fully break down. Then add that to the pot with um, with all the spices. So you cook those out, and then add your lentils, add some more spice, and that's the way to go. And that's one of my favorite soups because what happens is that this is the thing that I know a lot of people do, but I always find the Indian culture have really nailed it. Is this thing called like tempering? Um, you know, mm-hmm. Japanese do it with ramen and stuff like that, but Indians do it with a lot of their curries, whereby they get ghee or, or mustard oil or, or reg- regular vegetable oil, heat it to near smoking point, and then add curry leaves, um, half an onion really line, finely diced, um, fry that up until they pop and go dark in color, and then some cumin seeds uh, and, a, and a half a teaspoon of cashmere chili powder or chili powder, just make sure it's not too hot. And get that really like oiled, like really oily runny, and then you pour mm-hmm. that on top of your dal, and it's just like this this Yum. secondary explosion of flavor. Uh, and you that can sounds this incredible. Food. Yeah, it's great. And like when you there's one called dal tadka, d a l t t a d k a, and that'll give you a good example of what what it is. Or jump on my Instagram. I've got a, quite a few on there because I did a big dal. Um, chasing the dal around india for a while there which was really quite mm. interesting, which is quite interesting anyway they're my two soup options i love them it's a little bit different, <laughs> a little bit different than the average pumpkin soup you know which i love too and tomato soup which i actually really 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 don't like but um you pump- don't like tomato soup oh i don't even I just- even with like fresh like nice like bread and, and cheese toasty oh see yeah that's the thing they do in the uk that i don't do here is soup and sandwich do you, we don't have that. I love it. Soup in a I sandwich. I love it though. Mate, it is the shit. Like we had a pea and ham soup, uh, pea and ham soup in, uh, uh, in, 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 in north of Scotland, in the, well, north of Scotland, Aberdeen, <laughs> Aberdeen. And uh, we had pea and ham soup uh, with a cheese and ham, no, with a cheese toasty on the side. And it's like, I don't think you get that in Australia. Maybe country country sort of uh, cafes, the old country cafes, you know, the old uh, mums run it all and maybe sort of like the milk bar, you get the, t- you know, the, the t- soup and the toasty. But I've just, it's we don't see it. definitely rare. I know in Perth, we do not have like a top of the, top of the range sandwich shop. 
that does that kind of thing. We have sort of like, you know, your classic like little Italian places that do continental rolls, but there's none of that. (laughs) There's none of the other side of it where it's like, you know, like your cheeses and that sort of thing where it's like really hearty. And it's something that, I mean, it could make a lot of money for someone out there if they're willing to dive into it. But I think the quality needs to be really good. And that's what you get in other parts of the world. That's the thing. I mean, in the UK, and I, I, I keep bearing on about this, but in the UK, when you go to a pub, like, or you go to a cafe, the soup and the sandwich is the is the thing, right? Like, for us, we go to a pub or a cafe and we get a schnitty. You know, oh, I love, mm. a, love a schnitty the size of my face, thanks, bro, and chips and a salad. <laughs> or, or, or fry, it was a chips and a salad or mash and veg, you know? Like, you never swap them over. Um, and, um, and, and there, it's like soup and a sandwich. It's the best. Love that shit. Anyway. So good. Yep. Can it, can I hit you with um one of my soup ideas that I'm very excited about this time Please of year? Tell me. Just simple fennel, cauliflower, and potato soup. And mm. I literally just fry it up in the oven or yep. in a frying pan. Just make sure that you're getting bits nice and brown for that extra flavor. Mm. And then literally just all of them into a pot with a little bit of stock and you just cook it down until you know it's nice and soft. Give it a blend. And it's the simplest soup it's just as simple as pumpkin mm-hmm. but it's got so much flavor to it and if you want if you want more out of it then you can just crush up some roasted fennel seeds and put that in as well and then you get oh, like a real kick of fennel and it's just such a good one to actually do that um sort of like toast and or bread and or sandwich yeah. mixed yeah. with the soup um so i would normally go that and give it like a real fennel kick and then make the sandwich something that's like really, really garlicky, garlicky to like, Man. you know, balance it out. I big, love that. That's flavors. sick. Here's a question for you: Are you a blender or a or a stocky soup person? Are you a blendy or a stocky soup person? Uh, like I, I actually style, or actually like what you were talking about then? I, I think I'm. I really dig a smooth soup. So mm-hmm. I really like my pumpkin. I really like this cauliflower fennel, especially yeah, with the potato thrown in to like to really just make it smooth. I try and do as little stock as possible. So it's actually like this thick, hearty soup. Um, I can go the other way though. Like I'm, I'm more than happy to, you know, have like chicken corn or like chicken and vegetable or something like that when it's like really cold in winter. Um, but I think I'm going to have to side with the smooth ones. I think... There's yeah. just something to that actually getting that like, real creaminess from it because you can't get that from just eating any other dish. No, you can't. And I tell you, although I've just given you two non-blended ones, I'm actually, I'm actually with you on the blended style soups. <laughs> well, because... what's your top? You just said no to pumpkin and no to tomato. No, no. What's yes, your yes, top pumpkin, blended no. one? Big, big, big fan of of pumpkin soup. Always, always, always loved it. The roast pumpkin. Do you soup. have? Do you have any? sort of like real tip to a good pumpkin soup because i know what my mum has taught me is like the secret but i want to hear what you have in the bag well here's a couple of little uh here's a couple of little pub trivia things for you just one actually so the one of the things you have to do with a good pumpkin soup is i uh, get a good pumpkin right you can't just get so the you know the you know the was it the green and yellow pumpkin that we get everywhere the green and yellow? The Jap- like japanese the Jap- ones well, this is the thing. It's actually not Japanese pumpkin. Jap pumpkin, and in fact, don't fact. Well, fact check me on this because I'm pretty. I'm nearly 100 percent sure I'm right. Jap pumpkin is actually an acronym for just a pumpkin. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's not Japanese pumpkin. It's just a pumpkin. Because Japan, I know that they have very good pumpkins in Japan. They very, they very much do have a good... They, they really, really do. Yeah, yeah, they really All do. Right, so we've been lied to at the shops. We have been. It's not a Japanese pumpkin. It's a Jap... Just a pumpkin. It's like going to the ATM okay. machine. You can't say Jap pumpkin because it's like just a pumpkin pumpkin. <laughs> so what um, pumpkin are you getting? It's like usually at the shops, if you just go to the regular shops, you've got stuff like Kent, uh, butternut... Or yeah. Japanese usually, well, it's like so-called Japanese. Yeah. So are you getting something different at the market? Look, the Jap pumpkin is a, a, a definite go-to, absolutely definite go-to. The other one that I love too, though, is, um, is the Queensland Blue. It's a really beautiful roasty pumpkin. So the Queensland Blue has a great color. And so if you're going to do a roast pumpkin soup, which I think is the best way if you have the time, that's the one to go to. It roasts up really well. Um, I would stay away from butternut squash. I find them now so overdone uh, and really quite watery. And so when you make that sort of butternut squash um, uh, soup, um, or butternut, butternut pumpkin, I think we call it here, uh, I find that not very nice. So I'm a big fan of the Queensland Blue. And you, you can only really find those in, in veg shops and markets. Um, uh, but if not, just, just a pumpkin is the one I'd go for, Jack Pumpkins. And roast That's it. That's a hot roast take. Far, roast it far. Don't be so nice to it. You know, get it, get it super dark. Because uh, yeah, that, well, that, that's the thing that like I've sort of like slowly pushed the boundaries of with some of my blended ones is really like, especially with the cauliflower one, just like like almost to the point of burning, and like mm-hmm. you still just get that amazing flavor through it. Yep, correct. I totally agree. So you know, be be ballsy with it. Take it far. And because it's such a dilution, if you do end up getting a little bit of darkness, either chop it off or or, um, or just blend it up anyway, and it'll just be fine. Like, don't, don't stress too much. And always put a bowl of garlic in everything, right? <laughs> like, a bowl yeah. of garlic will fix it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like you could just roll with it as well. It gives it, like, a little bit of complexity, especially when it's sitting in, like, plenty of salt. It's got, like, plenty of sort of smoothness to it if you're adding other stuff like potato. Can I ask you a question for yeah. pumpkin soup, though? Back to that. Because my mum taught me to put sweet potato into Ooh. my pumpkin soup. And I think it's a revelation. I think it adds a lot of depth and a lot of smoothness. Is that something you do as well? Never thought of it. and I'm doing it next. Really? Yeah, I've got a sweet potato in my fridge. And I've got a pump- I'll go grab a pumpkin and we will do it. We will do it. We will do it next time we make a soup. <laughs> Cause, cause and that and I'll me, get back to you. That for me was something where I was like, I'm sure this is the secret to like all the best pumpkin soups that they yeah. have like around like in restaurants and that sort of thing. Must be. Um, the other great one that I love to do, and here's a little secret that I, you know, the whole soup is meant to be like really healthy and good for you. It totally is. But, uh, you know, we're talking about the sandwich and we don't do the sandwiches so much in the UK, but what we do at home, what I do at home is uh, we have our soup in a big bowl and then we uh, get a beautiful aged cheddar uh, and a, and a, we basically make a cheese board, right? But without any sort of like fruits and nuts and stuff like that. We just get mm-hmm. a good blue, an aged cheddar, uh, and probably like even just you know, like your standard, like it doesn't even have to be a good aged cheddar. It could be just a standard sort of like Australian style cheddar that's like easy to get a hold of at the market, at, uh, at the supermarket. And we put that in there and then we get butter and we just, we go big slab of bread, nice butter and dip that in with some salt, all like a snacky style or a big wedge of cheddar cheese on your bread, dip that into your soup, a little sprinkle of salt and eat that. And you find that by the end of it, the soup is still maybe like an inch lower 
Um, the soup is <laughs> you've eaten a whole loaf of bread. <laughs> you basically just like you've like slowly incorporated like a cheddar into your soup. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a deconstructed soup. <laughs> <laughs> You're like putting it together yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. I think that's one of my favorite things to do. So, you know, doing that sort of cheddar, uh, doing a really good cheddar and some really nice sort of like crusty bread and dipping away revelation, especially with pumpkin soup and also your cauliflower and uh, fennel one, it would work a treat. So give that a go next time. Yeah. Makes me hungry now. I feel like the next soup I feel like I'm going to make is actually going to be broccoli cheddar. Um, That's a good. I feel like maybe that would go with a cheese sandwich as well. Like just cheese on cheese. Yep, I think so too. Why not? So, <laughs> you know what a great thing to do cheese with, which is a really, which is a very French thing to do, but no one knows with. And we're just going to segue here because that's what we do. Um, that's what I do. But um, yeah, thing that goes really good with good cheddar, good aged cheddar, is apple pie. Really? Yeah, like a proper sweet apple apple pie. Get a good wedge of apple pie, and they do it in France. A lot of places in France, and you get a beautiful wedge of uh, apple pie with pastry, the whole lot, and then a wedge of cheddar on the side. Really? Yeah. Right, you're not you're not kidding me right now. Like you literally just all. like you've got sort of like a sharp cheddar yeah. and that is being balanced out by like is it a real do the French do like a real intense sweetness to their apple pie? Because I've never traveled there. Well, I mean, yes. There's well it depends. Because if you think about if you think about a cheese board, you know, the major fruit, one of the main main fruits other than quince paste is a good, you know, sliced up piece of apple. So a good yeah, green exactly. acidic, a good green acidic apple. You know, rather than a sweet thing, I think is a better is a better option. Mm. Um, so if you if, oh, sorry, our dog just fell off the couch. <laughs> it was quite cute. Uh, she's only nine weeks old, so uh... <laughs> that that is a segue in itself. If you want to see cute dog photos, go to Simon's Instagram. Yeah, yeah, they're all on my stories. It's so cute. You should see. We just taught her to. We just taught her to shake. She now just shakes. How good is that at nine weeks? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's a clever dog. So I guess like to segue back again, sort mm-hmm. of going the other way, what about sandwiches? Because I feel like sandwiches is another thing that's sort of been almost lost to the ages in Australia. Do um, you have any sort of like sandwich recommendations or even just a bread recommendation to get people started? See, this is the question. Like we have MasterChef, we had that toasty challenge and everyone went for sourdough. I'm like, no. Sourdough, never for a well sandwich sourdough. Yes, a toasty for me. The sourdough, you know, you'd have to nearly have white bread, a good white bread. Though. Don't get a shitty freaking Wonder White. Although that's also great. When, you know, when you're a kid and had that amazing toasty where everything was like so caramelized. <laughs> but um, you know, the sugars on the you didn't even need to butter the outside because the sugars in the bread just made it go caramel and crispy. But like the thing about a sourdough is, you know, when you have the toasty and you have sourdough and someone's done it, uh, and you bite into it and it's like. It's like someone's putting shards of, you know, bread crust into your gums. You know that really harsh crunch? <laughs> yeah, the, the just texture's just not there. No, it's not. It's like you might as well just put a brick and then put a piece of cheese in between the two bricks and try to bite into it. It's stupid. <laughs> it's an airy brick, but it's a brick nonetheless. So if you get a good, if you get a good sandwich, that I'm a no toast, I'm a no toasted sandwich person, and if I'm doing a toasty. Uh, the the sourdough either has to be like a really soft crust, so it doesn't over over you know doesn't stab me in the mouth, or <laughs> so you're I, you're all about that soft texture already. Hey, I'm a yeah I'm a chewy soft textured person, 
Yeah, for sure. Like crunch well, kind of annoys me. I sometimes. feel like if you're if you're combining that with the soup as well, I guess that's probably a better thing because you can actually soak up like some of some of the soup with that. So it's like functionally, it's probably the better choice anyway. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. And what are you putting in it? Are you just classic, like just cheese toasty or are you sort of like moving with something else? Mm. See, so just doesn't it depend, you know, those things when you're hungover or when you're starving, what you put in it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I go straight to garlic bread. Like whatever oh. the occasion, I feel like garlic bread oh. is appropriate. Like pumpkin soup, garlic bread. Garlic bread. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're nailing that. I, I'm a big look. I I will stay classic cheese toasty, all the way. You know, but but go crazy mm. on your cheeses. Get three cheeses. Get one that's really sharp. Get one that's super gooey, and get one that's got the salt level to it. So you get these three sort of yeah. like levels of flavor, and you're gonna get the string. You're gonna get the acidity, and you're gonna get that sort of sharpness as well, which is really really cool. That nutty sort of flavor, and then. I am a mayonnaise in a toasty person. Really? So, yeah. So three cheese toasty, mayonnaise layer, good a good a good layer, and then and then butter on top and then toast it. But I'm also not a toasty person where you put the lid down. I'm in a pan. I grate, oh yeah. I grate I my cheese hungry. so it's like probably like if you could put a thirty centimeter ruler standing upwards, that's how much grated cheese I want. And then I'll fit <laughs> that. I'll fit Just that a pile. Yeah, like look at it and go, oh, that looks like a lot, and then double it, and that's the right amount. And then you and put a little two... bit on the outside as well, so that it actually sort of like fries onto the outside of the bread. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then it's butter in the pan, cast iron if you've got it, the cheese and the two, like literally, you know, the two pieces of bread on top of each other. They're so far apart, it looks like it's never going to work. And then put it on, <laughs> put it on low heat, on low. And I am telling you, it's it's it, this is a this is a labor of love. It's going to take you 15 minutes to make this toasty minimum, but just let it slowly melt down. And you'll find that that massive height of cheese will end up being a perfect size toasted sandwich. And then you flip it and you cook it on the other side. And because it's taken so long, the the, the toast is now nice and crunchy without that freaking, you know, stabbing you in the mouth shatter. <laughs> and then the other it's side. It's like, I feel like you have some kind of story to tell around this. Oh, like you've okay. been hurt in the past. You've got some <laughs> sort of like inner yeah. demons from yeah, red. Some kind. Yeah, I've been, I've been going to the therapist for years. But I just, <laughs> I want, I saw, I feel like I've just been talking nonstop. But I, I, uh, I saw, you know, that if anyone saw the, um, the Master of Toasty Challenge with Poe, uh, Callum, and uh, Khan. And I was gutted that I wasn't down there making my toasty. Like, gutted. They only had 15 you just, so like, up there with your own equipment, just making your own anyway? <laughs> Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> um, here's one for you. I'm an advocate for adding a little bit of herbs to the toasty. Like, I'm really big on, like, I guess, rosemary, like, crushing it up as fine as you can and putting like a little bit either on the outside of the bread with that extra bit of cheese or on the inside as well. I feel like it adds like a little bit of, I guess just like refreshingness to the whole thing because cheese can be a bit overbearing for some. And the other thing is if you overcook it, they split and you've screwed your toasty. I don't know if if you've ever done that. If you've overcooked a toasty before and the cheese inside gets too hot, that the solids and the fats split. I, no, I've never done that. So, okay. yeah. Can yeah. can so, you give people a tip on how to avoid doing that? Is it just like watching it, maybe. making sure it's not gone too far? Or yeah, a sandwich press is usually quite good because you're never going to take it. It's really difficult to take it too far. 
But when you start seeing like liquid dripping out as opposed to cheese solids looking, look, you know, dripping out, that's when you've got the problem. And it's not a big deal, but you'll find that it leaves a really awful mouthfeel. It leaves this sort of like fat layer of not a very nice cheesy fat layer, but like an oil fat layer. So you kind of want to just keep an eye on it. The further you push it and the higher the heat, the likely, the more likelihood this is going to happen. It's also the more cheese you put in there, I think, is the likelihood it's going to happen because you have more to, more to, more to stuff up, more ratio to stuff up. <laughs> but uh, what was the question? You said something. Oh, herbs. I'm a big fan of herbs in it. Yeah. Some really lovely oregano. Uh, I love dried oregano, which is really beautiful for a, for a toasty. Yeah, well, Simon, I feel like I could chat all day with you about <laughs> about things like really in depth like this. But I think <laughs> what I'm going to do is cut this off and then have you back on another time, yes. so we can go really in depth on a few other things. Um, before before we finish up, um, do you just want to let people know again what you're up to at the moment, uh, what they can do in Melbourne under COVID to like really just sort of help their local businesses out, stuff like that. Yeah, let me shoot off a couple. There's some, there's people like above board who are doing great cocktails that you can come pick up uh, or get dropped off to you. They do little delivery cocktail sessions. So if you want a little party at home on a Friday, or to be fair, no one's ever going to know any day. Um, <laughs> that's great. You know, a lot of takeaways. So try not to, my advice is try not to order through Uber Eats uh, and not to label anything. Hopefully, they get in trouble for that. Try not to lay, try not to order through the big company delivery companies, big company, big delivery companies. Thank you. Uh, and order direct because the companies take thirty percent of the takings from the restaurant, minimum. Like so, I think Uber takes thirty percent, whereas you know uh, delivery takes you know seventeen or twenty or something like that, and rah, 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 and the list goes on. So try and order direct uh, and get them to either A, deliver, or B, you just go pick them up, get in the car and just try and go pick it up. That's my goal. So try not to go for the big companies and really order through the people that, that need it most, which are the restaurants, because the chefs are the owners and the, the owners will be the ones doing all the work and because they can't afford anything else. So that's my, that's my suggestion during this awful shitty time. Mm. So Melbourne, get back to basics. Support yeah, exactly. everything local. If yeah. you're eating, if you're eating local, you're also helping the environment as well. So see if you can do the right thing. Support your own economy. It's just going to benefit you in the end, and it's going to benefit the world as well. Hundred percent. Amazing. Uh, Simon, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am pretty much just going to throw out the invite right now to just like have you back on again. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anytime. If people want to. If people want to hear more from you themselves, where can they head to? Uh, more from me, head to Sustainable Earth Network on the Instagram account. Uh, head to Simon Tui on Instagram as well. Uh, and they will be able to see constant updates of videos we're putting up, new um, uh, shows we're coming along with, Dilma Tea stuff, sustain, uh, Source Bulk Foods, which we're doing a big campaign for as well, which is great. So heaps of stuff coming up. So please give us a follow and a like. And, um, and yeah, and that'll be the updates all the time. Brilliant. Simon, thank you so, so much. I feel like people are going to get a lot of out of this. I hope so. And, I, and thank you so much for asking me on. And I can't wait to do this again because we just just chat like crazy. Oh, delivery. <laughs> Good timing. 